Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We got another podcast episode coming your way. And this one is going to be a little bit different uh, in the sense that most of the stuff we do is what the cool kids like to call Web 2. But today, we're adding one, and we're going to talk about Web 3, which is one better. Um, today, my guest is Georgia Rackison, who is an independent researcher who has probably been in the newly rebranded Web3 space longer than just about any other researcher that's out there. And so she has this wonderful perspective that she can share with us talking about what research looks like in this space. She's got her, obviously her conference talk coming up. Welcome, Georgia. It's great to, great to chat with you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm really looking forward to the conference. Me too. We have to start at the very beginning of the story, which is, did you buy Bitcoin in 2011? <laughs> no, but I, I did buy it in 2013. So okay, pretty close. <laughs> um, and I can tell you that, like, I've spoken to people who say, oh, lucky you. Well, I can tell you I've made plenty of mistakes, right? And no one, <laughs> hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, I'm just in that boat going, I wish I'd bought more, right? Just so, yeah. you know, everyone has a vantage point looking at the higher mountain, basically. Isn't there, there's that story about the first like transaction where someone spent like a thousand Bitcoin on a pizza or something? Uh-huh. Yep. And you'd mean, be that, like nearly a billionaire now with that money, you know. That is incredible. And if that guy has to wear it with a badge of honor. I know plenty of people who mined Bitcoin in the early days, lost their hard drive, started mining again, lost that hard drive and still work in Web3, you know. So the exposure to the space provides other opportunities and a greater satisfaction than just just the ability to, you know, make some investment. And um, my world is a much, much bigger place than Bitcoin now. Totally. Well, let's kind of get started. But before we do, like, dive into any of the stuff that you're going to be talking about, we got to sort of set some set some definitions here i think oh no and this is somebody this is i'm saying this is somebody who's tried to explore a little bit of yeah. this stuff and found it quite overwhelming so from your vantage point how do you define like what what is web3 and how does that contrast with all the other stuff i knew you were going to ask me this and uh, i've yet to de- <laughs> define it for myself so um web3 is kind of like um uh, a catch catch-all term for um the internet that operates with within like a crypto economy. And whereas web, the difference between like web one, web one was like static pages that was just, um, you read them and consumed them and then found a phone number to, to call that restaurant. Web two was uh, content creation by individuals themselves. So the, the social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and all that kind of stuff where people can create as well as consume. And web three is creating, consuming, and owning what is there too. Um, and that ownership is where the blockchain comes in. It allows you to have like your stamp of ownership or authority over a piece of information that might exist. It might be a JPEG NFT that you own. It could be um, confirmation that you own certain amount of tokens in a wallet. And those are those. That's the difference, really. It's about the ability for an individual to actually own the things that they are consuming and creating, including, say, for example, their own personal data. Um, that's a big difference. And one of the things that um, people really strive for in Web3 is to create an economy where people's data is not being sold to the highest bidder. And, you know, people are not being 
psychologically abused by the use of that data, you know, to manipulate them into doing things. So it, it's kind of turning incentive models on their heads a little bit. Um, but with it has come lots of interesting new use cases, lots of new problems. Um, the existence of Web3 is creating its own new problems to solve, which is great for great or terrible for design researchers and, and uh, product designers. So that's my kind of Web3 in a little nutshell. I like that. So my next question, and again, there's, there's just got to be not too many researchers working in this space. It has certainly felt like the amount of work that goes into becoming active in some way in this, in this space, there seems like a lot of cognitive work to kind of figure it out. Uh, that seems not productive. And it feels like there's a lot of opportunity for researchers to kind of play a role here. And that's kind of the crux of your talk. So I'm, I'm wondering what kind of drew you to this space initially, because you've been doing this for quite a while. And maybe you can talk a little bit about how the problems that you've been interested in have changed over time. I think what first, what drew me was the user experience problem, right? It was this dilemma of how to get someone else to care about this thing. So I would, uh, you know, I was, I was invested in it for a long time. Everyone I spoke to were just like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, it makes no sense. Surely it's just a scam. And the people who were interested, I would then try and get them set up. And, you know, they maybe didn't have the enough of a pull for them to go through the pains of trying to get crypto or trying to try something in Web3. And that is still a problem today. That problem has not been solved. Part of the problem is because of the engineering centric aspect of web three is that people build things without thinking whether they, uh, whether they should. It's just whether they can. And then like a UI is slapped on top and then somehow people are supposed to make sense of it. You know, um, there was a time I gave a talk several years ago to an audience who weren't web three savvy. And I did a walkthrough of like all the, how many steps it takes to get set up with a MetaMask wallet, which is a Web3 wallet for the first time. And it was like 40 steps or something, you know, including plus hours of wait time, like for your personal identification to get verified in order for you to buy the um, crypto in the first place. I haven't done a recent audit, but I don't think that's changed a lot. It's still many steps. And some of these organizations have improved the flows of those but it's complicated, it's scary, it feels risky, it's embarking into the unknown. And those are the reasons why we need user researchers to come in and look through the lens of from the user perspective and give these project teams and product teams a reality check on what actually is going on. Because if these people are building the future of the internet, they're building the future of money, and it's not usable, then what are we doing it for? And, and like you said, you know, you, it's, it takes a lot of time to learn. It's, um, there's this like steep learning curve of all this terminology, all these new concepts to learn. Well, who are the people with time and money to learn? Right. You know, they're not, it's not the person with three jobs who's really busy who might benefit from a future of money. It's not, um, you know, the mum at home who's looking after five kids, you know, doesn't have time and, and headspace to like spend three hours a day Googling about blockchains, right? And we need to be thinking about those. So the problems that exist are still the same problems that existed when I first entered the space and started working in it in like 2018. We still haven't fixed those problems. We have created some nice UIs. There are some 
interesting experiences, but um, there are some amazing challenges and new challenges that are emerging as well. Um, new problem spaces to explore. So one use case of Web3, which I'm going to, I will talk about in my presentation in, in my talk at the conference as well, is about new ways of working. So if you have like a decentralized economy or decentralized company, what does that mean to how people work together? And these are called decentralized autonomous organizations. They're called DAOs. And there is like a whole new like anthropological study to be done about how do people work as a group when they don't know each other, when they use Discord as the tool to communicate, when they're part of a token community, when they're voting to make decisions in the organization. And I'm excited about that. That's really interesting because, and I think one of the things that's kind of stood up for me a little bit is, um, as I've explored this a bit, and part of why it's been, at least for me personally, hard to kind of wrap my head around this stuff is it feels like in so many ways, the underlying assumptions of that we take for granted about just about everything, many of them are shifted in significant ways. You know, whether it's, to your point, how we communicate, right? Like how we communicate is just like a fundamental thing that we're used to all the time, whether it's personal or work or work ways. And actually you can communicate through contracts in, in essence, mm -hmm. potentially. Well, like, <laughs> what does that do? Um, and I personally, I, obviously, I don't know. But there seems like there's some of these core underlying shifts and to understand the impact on human experience yeah. and on our behavior, it seems like research is going to play a role there. But then on top of that, to design, given the constraints and the, the way that these technologies works, design the right experience to incentivize people to behave in healthy and productive ways. Mm -hmm. That's another thing it feels like that is going to be require an awful lot of research. And there's an amazing opportunity there for like service designers, for really talented UX researchers to go like, look at this broader view, like plot how currently people do things, compare it to the web two way of doing things and see, you know, what behaviors are we actually, it, when I say we working, people working web three, what new behaviors are we expecting of people? What are healthy behaviors? What are bad behaviors? Like, are we just going to slip back into you know, destructive behaviors. It's meant to be better than that, right? But I don't think everyone's like pedal to the metal on this, you know, just building all the time and not necessarily taking a step back and thinking, you know, what are the implications of the decisions that we make at this stage? And I really, really want researchers to come in and help do that. When I first started going freelance, my worry was, will I have enough work? Will people in Web3 care about user research? And now my problem is, there's way, way too much, and I need more researchers to come and solve these problems. Um, and there's there are opportunities to do that. There are there's funding, there's grants funding for that stuff too. That's that's super neat. So, what are the things that, or what are the characteristics of of researchers that you think are going to do really well in transitioning into this space and starting to explore this space? Uh, or put differently, who do you think are the kinds of people that the Web3 community needs right now in particular from the research community? This is a really good question because I've been asking myself this a lot. And the Venn diagram of people in Web3 and people who know how to do user research, like where the circles uh, cross, it's like a tiny, <laughs> tiny little slither. And there are really not many people in that, in, in that space. So I've been trying to work out, well, is it that they need more Web3 experience, but they could be, you know, less experienced researcher, or is it the other way around? I'm 
open to exploring that. I would love for a skeptic user researcher who's not interested in Web3, but very talented to come in and do a study. Because I want to see if their naivety, newness to the space will actually help them see something that I am not. But I also have some hesitancy as well, because I worry that they're just going to see all the things you know, the, the surface level stuff, which is a kind of as a given in Web3, that trust is an issue, you know, that people like to be anonymous, that it's really noisy and it's hard to f- hear the signals, that people get scammed and hacked and user experience is really poor. Uh, those are like the givens. So they need to look beyond that. That's quite a set of givens. <laughs> <laughs> Up against, yeah, it's um, quite a mountain to surmount, right? But, but, it's inter- but the work is really interesting, you know, and it's not going away. This space is here to stay. It's a multi-trillion dollar industry with big institutional players entering it. It's not going anywhere. And I would love researchers to come on board and try some things out for themselves. Like I want to, what I should do is like put together, and maybe I'll do this for the, for the conference. I will have a onboarding pack for what a Web3 UX research, what a UX researcher should try out to see, to get a feel for Web3, um, a simple kind of flow that they can follow and see who gets through it. <laughs> On a personal level, I would really appreciate that. Okay. Um, I fancy myself a relatively smart person and uh-huh. I am stumped. Yeah. Um, I think I got as far as like the Coinbase sign-up page and then I felt a, <laughs> I was like, wait, there's multiple apps for co- Like, how do I, uh, I, I give up. Why are there multiple apps for Coinbase? Yes, exactly. You know, it's very um, fractured, even in large organizations that I've worked at in Web3 because of their decentralized nature and autonomous nature. You have teams working on the same problem, you know, from different angles and maybe not communicating well. There are lots of things from the Web2 and traditional, I say traditional, uh, newer tech, you know, the fangs and all the big tech companies that work really, really well for those companies. And that we shouldn't in Web3 be reinventing the wheel. There are tried and tested methods for, for building out products. And it involves understanding your users, finding out where the value is for them and building something that solves a problem for them. And that's like, for some reason, has become something that, that is being shunned, you know, because it's of the old world and therefore we shouldn't be doing it in Web3. But I disagree completely. And what I'm, I will be talking about in, in my talk as well is the fact that the actual user research and UX research processes in Web 2 and Web 3 are exactly the same, right? It's the same methods. It's the same tools. It's really the same kind of the same people. <laughs> you know, they just because they have crypto and do some stuff in Web 3, they still use all the other Web 2 products too. You know, we don't have any people who only operate in Web 3. That time will come, but not yet. But there are some differences in working in the space. And that's a lot to do with the teams that I work with the mentalities, the narratives that exist, um, and the engineering-led technical hurdles that people have to come up to, to get over. I think that's super fascinating. Well, let's, let's end on this question here. Um, fast forward a few years. Where do you hope the intersection of this Web3 stuff and research is starting to look like? Whether it's you know the types of roles that that are being played by researchers, the way work is being done, take it a different way if you want. Um, What are your hopes for the future? I'd really love for UX research in Web3 to 
have surpassed where it stands currently in the stack of expertise in Web2. So, you know, as more than appear to product design, more than appear to product management, I'd like UX researchers to be leading product development um, because there is this absence of information about what people are doing in the space. And it's like oxygen to these companies. I want uh, UX researchers to be starting companies and be the people who go, I see the problem. I know what the solution is. Now I'm going to put the good people around me and build it. I couldn't have said it better myself. I think that is a wonderful aspiration for all of us. I think in general, we need more research people starting stuff, Mm -hmm. but definitely in this space too. Georgia, I'm really excited for your talk. Thank you for making the time to join us today. Well, you can catch Georgia's talk live in person on June 6th and 7th or online uh, live on June 6th and 7th. A couple of options. Uh, There's only a limited number of in-person tickets. So if you want to grab one, definitely grab one quickly by heading over to uxrconference.com. Same place if you want to grab an online ticket. So in any case, you should be heading over there. Go read Georgia's talk description and bio. It's pretty neat. And I can't wait to learn more about this with you. So I'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. And until the next episode.